I want to tell you about Anchor because it's what I use to record these podcasts. Why do I use it? Number one, it's free. Number two, it's simple. I don't have a lot of tech skills, but I don't need to because Anchor does a lot of the work for you. And as you know, many of you who know, I'm a career woman. I do this as a hobby on the side in my free time, and I love my kids and my family, and I don't want it to take more time than it needs to. (laughs) So thank you, Anchor, for that. It's the creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And so they also distribute it for you anywhere you hear podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the different ones. You can make money from it if you choose to with no minimum listenership. And it's got everything you need to make the podcast in one place. So I would encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm your hostess, Lori Adams-Brown, and this is episode 15. I wanted to just take a moment on this week's podcast to just sit and reflect and center ourselves a little bit. It seems like the world has uh, really just been through such a year. Here we are in November of 2020. Our world has been through so many things. And in the U.S. in particular, we're just reeling from a very difficult election season. Uh, Many days of waiting on the election results to be announced. And even with the announcement, still a lot of confusion and a lot of pain and division in the United States. And I just wanted to take a minute of reflection and silence and just asking ourselves, how do we feel right now? Because it's a lot of anger that I'm seeing on social media. It's a lot of stuff behind the anger. I think a lot of people have been triggered in various ways. And I just wanted us to Take a moment and just feel ourselves in our seat if we're sitting down. Maybe you're driving in your car. I just want you to be aware right now of where your body is as you're even sitting and driving. And just take a deep breath. (laughs) And just take a moment. We're just going to take 20 seconds here or so just to be silent and ask ourselves, how do we feel? And if you're a person of faith, ask God to show you what you're feeling right now. So let's just take a few seconds. And as you're kind of becoming aware of what it is you're feeling, you can kind of name that for yourself. This is something I just think right now we all need to press into. There's just a lot happening, a lot being asked of us. A lot of people had hopes and dreams that in the United States their person would get elected. And for those who are experiencing joy right now and hope because their person did get elected, That's just something to recognize and to name. And for those who are experiencing sorrow and anger and disappointment and frustration and disillusionment, depression, whatever it is that you're feeling right now, just to name that and to, if you are a person of faith, just to give all those feelings to God who is so capable of holding them and carrying that burden for us. And regardless of whether you believe in God or follow God, you know, mindfulness is something that has really been proven to be something not only helpful in 2020, (laughs) um, but especially just in our busy lives and the way that we live them. So just to find that space to be aware of what you're feeling right now, um, even, you know, being aware If you're eating a meal while you listen to this, how things taste and how things smell and just being aware of your senses, I just feel like so much gets just taken from us, um, the way we we live our lives in this season. And certainly for a lot of the emotions that have been going on in the United States, it's it's certainly a moment to just take that pause and and be aware of how we're feeling. Because what I've noticed for myself, for my kids, 
sometimes if we can just get to the the root of that it's like why why are you flipping out right now <laughs> why are you wailing on your brother or sister <laughs> and then you find out what's behind that the core behind it um it, it can just help if we can take that pause and and be mindful of what we're feeling why we're reacting that way and i just i see that happening in all of us in the united states right now um there's there's just a lot coming on the heels of a difficult year with um, COVID and sheltering in place and online schools and online. I mean, everybody's struggling. Teachers, doctors, nurses, pastors, kids, teenagers. It's it's a really hard time. We've had racial riots around the nation. And then now we have this election. And it's just uh, here on the World of Difference podcast, we're a lot of us trying to make a difference around the world. And for those of us who are just doers and helpers, we can sometimes neglect ourselves. And so I just wanted to, yeah, put that out there today as we're having this conversation. I know we've gone through a lot since our last podcast here. And so today I wanted to bring on my mom. (laughs) First of all, just because she's been a helper for so many years. If you've listened to her earlier podcast, one of the first ones we did here on the World of Difference podcast. But I knew I was going to bring her back on to talk about some of her involvement with immigration and just um, her um, career, long career um, in healthcare, as well as just um, her years of being the director of border health for the state of New Mexico before she retired. Um, And even though she's retired, she's still very connected to Um, coalitions and um, she'll talk a little bit about that today but um, as she is still very active and working in that community to arrange all kinds of situations to help the immigrants that are are getting through and also preparing for future groups that might come through she's definitely someone that people look to and ask advice from and has a lot of connections and networking from uh, when she was the director of border health in New Mexico and still um, has a lot of relationships and a lot of information. And so I know that even as uh, the Biden campaign has um, turned into uh, preparing for entering the White House, they've um, been in a lot of conversations with her and others that she works with on preparing for what it will look like. So I wanted to bring her on today to talk about that um, and what are her hopes and dreams for how our government handles things going forward in some areas that she's passionate about and involved with and and just to celebrate a few things it just hopefully in this time no matter how we feel politically um, for those in the US or even those around the world that listen no matter what our opinions are about how politics should be hopefully we can still center around what it means to make a difference and to help people and to celebrate the differences that are being made and the ones that are hopefully on the horizon so uh, let's welcome to the podcast none other than my mom, Frida Adams. Hi, mom. Hi, Lori. <laughs> Thanks for being on my podcast again. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to be here. Well, you're not just mom, obviously. You are the most qualified person I personally know to answer a lot of the questions we're going to talk about. Um, but I did want to just start with the very obvious thing that's going on in the United States, which is how it's very divided for those of us who watched that, you know, those few election days, not just one, <laughs> it, felt like it was several days, um, week, election week, it felt like, um, there was a lot of blue and a lot of red and it felt pretty almost equal at points. Um, and it's certainly a divided United States of America. And so, yeah, as you saw that, obviously you have several decades of being an American citizen. And as you're seeing this happen, and then we're in this post-election season at the moment, what are your thoughts about how we're disunified and kind of what you're hoping will change? Okay. Well, um, you know, the disagreement, political disagreements and different ways of seeing things is not new. The whole history of our nation uh, has been uh, characterized by this. People have different ways of seeing the world and different uh, opinions on how we should tackle problems, different philosophies of how government should work. 
I think um, the thing that's disheartening to me, and it's something that's not just happened the last year or two, it's been building for a long time. And that is um, a decreased, uh, either a decreased ability or decreased um, desire on the part of folks who do have those differing opinions to find common ground. Mm. Uh, that is something that has really been uh, remarkable about our government and that, that that they could reach across the aisle as politicians from different parties and then even people, uh, just this, those of us who aren't in politics or whatever, that we could listen to one another um, and try to find a way to move forward together, that compromise and uh, negotiation to find a path that's accept- acceptable to everybody. And uh, there's just been less in that, less of that to the point of vitriol and uh, a lot of judgment um, on all sides. Yeah. Uh, feeling my way's the only way and then uh, attaching some things to those opinions uh, about our value as people, even our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so attaching. Um, other things to political differences has really been unfortunate. And I think it's led us to a place now where it's uh, almost impossible for people to even talk with each other. And that's extremely sad. It is sad. And, you know, like you said, it's not like we're asking people not to be passionate about their opinions. I mean, certainly I am. I know that you care deeply about some of the things that caused you to vote for your particular choice and um your candidate that you thought would you know most likely have those things happen and we all do that and we may not all see getting there in the same way we actually may even want the same outcome but think that we'll get there on different paths um because we you know have different perspectives right and like you said the u.s has always been a place of diversity where people not don't always see the same thing in the same way but like you said, what has changed is our ability to have the conversation. And it's just the reality that we have, <laughs> unfortunately. And so I know a lot of people are grieving right now. Um, I know a lot of people are scared. I know a lot of people are worried. And there's also people that are rejoicing and hopeful. And so we just we have all the feels in the United States right now, but we're not all feeling all of them. And so... Yeah. Um, are there things that you have done in your own life that have helped you kind of process some of those feelings? And especially, how have you handled it when people have um, attached things to you personally as a human being based on your politics? So, um, I think this isn't easy. No. It isn't easy for anybody. And this is where um, I have to draw on my faith background. Um, you know, Jesus said, you know, anybody can love your friends. You know, that's not, that's not a big deal to love those who think like us and love us and care for us. And that, that, that's not that hard. Yeah. Anybody can pretty much do that. But he tells us to love our enemies. And I think what breaks my heart is to realize that people see me as their enemy. Wow. And that that's hurtful, especially yeah. people who are family or close friends, yeah. uh, lifelong friends, and mm-hmm. um, that it's come to that point where they see me as uh, I'm not just a differing, you know, different opinion, but an enemy, not just of them, but an enemy of God. And that is... For someone who's spent my life serving yeah. the Lord, that's painful. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'll just say it, it is. And it is, um, it takes me back to prayer mm-hmm. and um, on my own, of course. Yeah. Human, it may, I can get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those thoughts can run through my mind of all the being sarcastic things I want to say to reach out and, you know, attack back when I'm attacked that that is part of human nature but to just resist that and sometimes that that time out yeah (laughs) you know not not responding I've learned to walk away Mm -hmm. you don't have to say anything yep Um, and it's been an evolution 
for me over the last few years of um, thinking it's a question of informing people. They just don't understand. If I just explain my position and they'll understand me, they may not agree with me. Right. Well, at least it would affect my position. Right. And I've realized that's just not normal. Most of the time, that's not the case. Yeah. And so I was just beating my head against the wall. I was coming out bloody and bruised. Yeah. <laughs> right. Having to uh, come to the point where... Um, I need no defense. This is where I am. This is what I um, believe God is saying to me and to my nation. And to uh, this is coming from my heart and my relationship with God and how I view um, the world and how I view scripture and how I view people. And I don't have to defend that. Yeah. I do not have to do that, nor do I have to argue with people. And I don't want to do that. I hate that. Yes. I don't like to do that. I, I love to have discussions of ideas and and look at things differently. And we can everybody can learn from each other if you come from a place of mutual respect and mutual honor. But frequently, that's not that's not where it's coming from. So just and realizing that even if I think that may be what it is, and really trying to quickly understand when that's not where this is going, yeah, and to bow out gracefully you know like I said sometimes it's a thing of just I love you yeah I love you and I can't I'm just not going to be talking about this yeah uh yeah so and again I'm certainly not perfect at it and um I, I see others that are so much better at it yeah than I that kind of um they inspire me and it kind of embarrasses me <laughs> I'm learning <laughs> some things about myself you know that I still need to work on as well yeah, it's hard. It's it's emotionally difficult. I mean, I think any of us who've been on social media in the past four years or maybe five have been triggered at some point by something someone said to us personally. And it's just, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. it's Social media is a great way to stay connected with people around the world for those of us who've lived in a lot of countries. And we love it for that. But it is... Um, I've had to learn to practice some spiritual disciplines around it. <laughs> and yeah. fortunately, I think our kids, they're not quite on it yet in that way because they're not in that space. But I've, not, I've noticed the younger generation approaches it differently. They're, they're born into like learning from our mistakes already. And they're, they see it for what it is. They approach it really differently. And, um, you know, it's been an evolution for all of us. We've kind of all grown with social media and um, yeah, you have to learn what it can and can't do. And so I've, I've had to learn some of those things too, and I'm still in process with it. Nothing like an election in the U.S. to trigger us all. <laughs> so. yeah. And I think one of the most disappointing on a personal level uh, issues for me um, that social media has really brought to light is people's the inner thoughts and um I'm, I'm always amazed how people be so open with some stuff that's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And, but to people that I really had no idea had such hate for other people groups. Yeah. So, um, I mean, just really awful yeah. thing um, that I had no idea. And, you know, I guess I go back to thinking of a counselor friend that said to me years ago when I was having to face some really uncomfortable truths. Yeah. He said, truth is always a good thing to know. Mm. And so, but boy, it didn't mean it's comfortable. And um, yeah. that's really, really, really hard. People who, close family, close friends. Yeah. Uh, people who I've really looked up to. Yeah. That I'm really just... Um, shocked yeah just shocked what you know what their real inner thought life was has come out I'm hoping that maybe that was an maybe that was an overreaction on some of their parts and maybe they'll you know yeah they'll come back to center a little bit because emotions have run really high but they have um yeah yeah and you know the truth hurts that we do say that too it, it hurts and it really actually does hurt um yes but hopefully we can find a place of healing. That's that's what we're hoping for. That's one of the ways we're trying to make a difference in the world, right? Is that we can come together on what we have in common instead of focusing so much about how we're different 
even though we want to make a difference and it's good to be different, we don't want to vilify people and their differences. Right. We want to celebrate them. Right. Right. Well, speaking of differences, uh, there is something that we are celebrating and I don't want it to get lost in all the chaos of the how disunified America is right now. And I feel like it's such a, a raw deal that it gets overshadowed, but we are celebrating the first ever woman vice president of the United States. And it's yes. just, we're so excited. Me and my daughter are just excited. My sons, my husband, we're all excited. It just, it means so much. It doesn't mean everything, but it's just a huge thing um, because it's yeah. a first. It's a first we've waited for for a really long time. I know it feels anticlimactic for a lot of other nations around the world who've had female presidents, female prime ministers years and years ago. Indonesia's had one, Pakistan, New Zealand, Singapore has a woman, a woman president. So many nations have, and we're just now getting our woman vice president. So I'm sure it shocks a lot of nations around the world that we just now got ours. But how do you I'm feel? Sure England, England is probably really quite amused. With yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm sure there's something in Hamilton that relates to this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so how, how are you processing this, the first female vice pres- president? You know, it, um, it's almost o- overwhelming. I've lived a long time mm-hmm. to see this. And yeah. I'm so grateful to mm-hmm. have lived to see this. Um, there's been a lot of false starts with this. A lot of women have tried and failed. Yep. But every time they tried, they, they gained a little ground for, for not just women. Yep. But, but for humanity. Yep. This is important, not just for us. We get to celebrate, mm-hmm. but this is for my sons as well as my daughter yeah. and, and my grandsons and all those women and men that get to see a woman rise to this uh, this position um, and get to have the the the, um, the benefit of what she brings as a woman to this position. Yeah, we need that. We are made male and female to walk side by side and work together. Yeah. And when you only have one half of the species, yeah. you know, you're missing something. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, so it's been, it's, it's, um, it's, it's uh, overwhelming and humbling, you know, living here in New Mexico for the last 12 years, we've, I've been able to see not just the first female governor of New Mexico, but the first female Latina governor yeah. of New Mexico and we have the second who succeeded her nice well, even in a what's considered a you know we are a minority majority state so we're a majority Hispanic culture uh which is considered a macho culture we still have managed to do this yep twice and so that's that's been great and so to to watch Kamala um achieve this uh milestone has been um just amazing and so I'm very happy to celebrate that we can't we cannot let this go by yeah and it's just such a big package you know because it's the first woman the first Indian American woman the first African American woman so um you know it's a lot it's a lot to celebrate exactly checked a lot of boxes off yeah yeah I know I just really enjoyed um how some of the black women around the United States have so often been seen as the ones who help someone get into office and their votes are so important. And we know that that whole demographic is something that politicians have worked really hard to gain the woman's vote in the black community. And now we get to see one, you know, be there herself. And I think it's awesome. It's, it's more than just somebody you get to vote for you. It's somebody that you vote for. And I just think that's huge something to celebrate. Yes. It's a total flip and it's yes. long overdue. <laughs> Absolutely. And hard, hard thought in one. Yes. Just blood, sweat and tears to get there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and just, I you know, this, I had this immediate need and I, the, you're my daughter and I wanted to talk to you, but I had this immediate need to touch base with my granddaughter. Mm, yeah right there was i needed to reach to her yeah because this is for every little girl yeah this for every little girl and not just in america there are people around the world watching us yeah so little girls in india it's a monumental (laughs) day and time for all little girls around the world 
Yeah, I so agree. It's super exciting. And I know that people, whenever a woman is the first, she will be criticized no matter who she is. So there's obviously a lot of criticism, but hopefully we can put that aside and just celebrate at least that particular point. I'd hope that we could at least agree on that. And if we can't, man, we really have some issues going on. Like at least that, right? Um, It's whether she was Republican or Democrat or has made mistakes or any of it that we could just push all those extra labels aside and just be like, this happened in our generation. We got to see it. Right. 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 Yeah. And, uh, and you know, also she, she graduated from Howard college. So she's not an Ivy graduate. So opening the door and breaking barrier that there are wonderful colleges around the United States Mm -hmm. that produce fantastically, um, prepared women and women and men and so I think that was wonderful yeah. uh, to see that as well and I guess so I did want to point this out my thought is you know and I know this may be a little frivolous but I, I think it's important even as they gave their acceptance speech they were talking about what she was wearing at what point are we going to stop that yeah no I get it we're talking about the color suit or what who made Biden's suit right or what he was wearing it, but and I know she did that on white. She did the suffragette white, so yes, she knew they were going to talk about it anyway. So she might as well make it something she wanted them to talk about. <laughs> right. So I realized it was symbolic and coming in unity and all that. So I'm going to give them the the okay on that one, but I really don't want to hear about her pantsuit. Not so anymore. Hear, yeah. I just don't want to hear about that. Yeah, that was the one time they get. They please don't talk okay. about it ever again. <laughs> free pass and then we should move on beyond that yes absolutely yes although I did feel the history in that moment the hundred years when you saw her wear that like for all of us women who know that we knew that was her way of signaling to us like it's not just me and I do appreciate that I think women leaders typically there's a broad spectrum when it comes to women leaders of course because we're not a monolith but so often women lead very relationally, at least that's how we're trained, that's how we're socialized, and that we often don't say we did it ourselves. And I loved that she brought that, because you don't hear that as much, but she did, even with the what she wore, she helped us see 100 years of history that this wasn't just her, right? She's like her mom from India, and like she's, you know, shouting out to all these people that helped, she stood on their shoulders, and... I love that. We need that in our government. We need it to be not just about me and all that I've done and I'm awesome, but it takes a lot of us working together. Right. And you know, whether you're a man or a woman, nobody gets to a place of success and leadership and authority without standing on the shoulders of many who've gone before us. Yep. Yep. But for women, it's so much more important um, that we honor that and we speak that. I don't know if you saw the tombstone of Susan B. Anthony. They were showing it today and yesterday. And her her tombstone is literally just covered now with stickers. Oh, really? Yeah, with I, I voted? Yes, yes, I voted. But to re, just um, to honor her yeah. at her grave. Yeah. And then those who before her. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, this is something that I really, as a, you know, a, a, an older woman, I'm 67, I, I, I want to make sure the young women understand this. Yeah. Because there are young girls and young women now who really have have lived in a time that they didn't live through, mm-hmm. um, you know, not being able to get a credit card right. in their own name or having to have their husband sign for them to have a tubal ligation. Right. Or, yeah. And so just those many things where women did, did, didn't have the rights that men never, never even think about. Right. Uh, so, but just realizing that women fought hard mm-hmm. so that you wouldn't be, um, so we wouldn't have insurance increases because of our reproduct- reproduction or um, just because we're female, we have a uterus, so they're supposed to charge us 10% more on insurance. Right. Yeah. Not fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you supposed and to do? <laughs> mean things like yeah. that, that right. people didn't even, men don't, I don't think much even think about. Right. But women have fought. It's more than it's more than the vote, and it's more than um, just her getting to position of vice president. It's that we be honored and considered as, as equal human beings. Yeah, are equally deserving of rights. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Well, the other thing we're celebrating 
um, we also don't want to get lost is that Dr. Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, will be the first, it seems, first lady who will have a full-time job working outside of the White House ever. So it's two big firsts. Um, you know, we've had other women who were capable lawyers, you know, very successful, but because of the optics of the White House, you know, put their job on hold during the presidency in order to follow along with tradition. But it looks like Dr. Jill Biden is going to be the very brave first to try something new. And I'm sure she'll get criticism, but she's doing it. And so, yeah, how do you resonate with that? What are your thoughts on that? Well, as a working mom <laughs> and a working wife, you know, I um, it wasn't necessarily the popular thing for a pastor's wife yeah. to have a secular job. I can remember when uh, I, you know, w- we were told our deacon body that I was going to go to college. There was a scandal about that. There yeah. quite a bit, quite a bit of discussion because I wasn't necessarily playing that that traditional role. Yeah. I loved being a pastor's wife, but I, there was more to me than that. Right. Uh, and so I'm thrilled to see her do this. Yeah. This is wonderful. And you know what? If she decides later that she doesn't want to do that, it's okay. Yeah. The fact that she can choose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important, that she gets to choose this. Yeah. That we need she... to let her carve her own path in this. Yeah. I mean, that's just one of the things, right? Hopefully we're finally at this moment after all these generations to say that women can have dreams too and right. and wives can have dreams and they don't have to be the exact same dream as their husband or supporting his dreams. Right. Um, that Absolutely. Husbands and wives can support each other's dreams. And of course right. in a marriage you have to have some parts of you that are in sync, but it's very common in our society all these generations later to have a husband who has one career and a wife who has a totally different career and they can somehow support each other and be married and be happily married and have a fruitful marriage. And and so to see it in the white house is, is really exciting. I agree. And it really, it really more reflects the reality of the average American home right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We have to have two incomes you know, to, to really have any kind of quality of life. Very few people are able to survive on just one income. Yep. So this is the way we're, the world has been for us for a long, long time. Uh, and so I, I, I feel like what that's going to do is actually enrich their ability to understand what's going on because if they do that now. <laughs> she's not starting work. No, she's yeah. She's been working for a long time. And so that, uh, you know, I know, and, you know, in, in our situation with uh, with your dad and my and me, you know, we we work, we have very different careers, but we come back together and talk about it a little bit and share and encourage each other, yeah, uh, and celebrate each other, and it um, gives us different perspectives. I think that complement one another. Yeah, for sure, and it is nice to see that because that's what, like you said, what most working families are like. I mean, certainly here in the Bay Area are. Cost of living is super high. We have the highest property value in the United States, and it's not realistic for most wives to stay home. That's pretty rare. And right. um, and throughout most of the U.S., I would say that's increasingly been so. And throughout the world, you don't have many women that can afford to stay home full-time and not do some type of work to help provide for the family. So it is nice right. to see that represented. It's more realistic, and hopefully it'll inform how policies come down that affect working families, like average families, right? Right. Right, and that it's not, I mean, it, it doesn't have to just be a job either, a career choice. Right. And that, that it's just as important as, as the husband's career choice. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly gives us imagination, you know, our little right. girls, an imagination of what it could look like to be a wife and a mom, and it, it can look many different ways, but you can have your dreams, and they can be inside the home or outside the home, but it's you know, the choice to have your dreams fulfilled and and to see that happen is really exciting. Well, I'd like to move on because one of the reasons um, I wanted to bring you on today was because of all the experience you had as director of border health in New Mexico and all the connections that you currently still have. Um, And a lot of the ways you're, you know, encouraging people to volunteer and be involved in some of the, you know, networks and coalitions that you work with. And I know that you've mentioned with the, you know, Biden administration and their plans, they've already been you know, going full force to try to prepare for entering into the White House in January, and they'd already 
reached out to you guys even sort of before things were finalized just to get prepared. And so what are you kind of hoping for out of the new Biden administration um, in terms of their like dealings with the coronavirus? Because I know that as director of border health and as a nurse and all that, you have a lot of knowledge and experience and you're really connected there on some of the conversations that are happening. So what I really am most looking forward to and hopeful for, uh, and I think we saw a little beginning of that today, is a unified science-based message that we don't, and that not just saying something, but practicing what you preach. So uh, we have, there is, ample scientific evidence that masks and hand washing and social distancing work yeah we have ample evidence of this we don't need to fight about that anymore right <laughs> so so but that you know that we that everybody's saying the same message it don't matter what the message is or what subject you're talking about it's really hard when many different messages are coming at people and they're conflicting and then the ones who are giving a message are doing something else and while they're saying something to you. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and people will like, what, what's right? You know, and the whole nature of a novel virus or a novel disease is that novel means we don't know. Right. We've never done this before. Yeah. So there was so much scrambling to try to figure this out. All we knew is it's killing people and it was very contagious. And so they've had to do a lot of learning as we go along, but we, we're not there now. We're nine months down the road from yeah. March, and we know a lot that yeah. we didn't know then. Mm -hmm. And we have some best practices. We've developed best practices, developed some medicines that we know work, um, and the, the drug companies are coming along beside us and sharing information and looking at other countries, that worldwide scientific community that we've kind of been isolated from. Yep. Yep. And now we can talk again. Yay. Yay. <laughs> and so, oh my goodness, there's so much wisdom and, and knowledge and insight as we work together. So just a, a unified message, practicing what we preach, providing uh, readily available messages so that people in languages and at the level that people can understand yeah health literacy is so important yeah uh and that so there's lots of work to just keep keep all that up to translate these as, as knowledge changes and 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 instructions change but um and my real hope is that we will depoliticize this yeah Health has always been politicized. So again, this it's it, it's the um, extreme to which it's gone. But health has always been political. Mm -hmm. um, you know why? I don't so know, whether, but it is whether it's, <laughs> whether it's providing health uh, health um, care to poor people or undocumented or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's always been. But we those especially those of us in healthcare, we must rise above that. Yeah. We must rise above that, and those in poli in political positions must rise above that for the good of of not just America but the world. Yeah, because we are in this together. And I describe what I see frequently as two people in a boat with a hole in it, and they're punching each other <laughs> while the boat sinks. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to stop punching each other, plug the hole, and start bailing water. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, the coronavirus is affecting Republicans, Democrats, Independents, Libertarians, Green Party. Like it, it's the all of us. does not care. Yeah, it doesn't. It will kill you if you let it. For sure. It will kill those you love if you let it. Yeah, no, it will. It's it's a scary thing. I mean, I mean, at this point, probably all of us have known someone that have gotten it, either a mild case or worse, and... Um, I know lots of people, and I've lost lots of people. Yeah, it's been a year. It's yeah. been a hard, hard year, a lot of grief. Um, and so as the Biden administration has reached out to your, like, coalition and everything, what, is, what do you feel like their response has been? Have they been um, trying to depoliticize it as far, as far as you can tell, or, or are you able to see that at this point? So we haven't had, like, any direct contact with them, but, you know, we – know people who know people right <laughs> have the ear and stuff and yes and, and again I, and 
gun. Um, you need to ask the people who are in the trenches. Right. To, so that you get an idea of, you know, or else you can make some really bad decisions, <laughs> really bad decisions. So I've really appreciated the fact that, um, you know, that those decisions have, are being, have already been made to have those conversations. Right. And so uh, those preliminary conversations have, you know, we've been having them as the border shelter network uh-huh. uh, in each of these communities and stuff. So we've been working on several things. One of the things that we wanted to do uh, is to have a, a position statement ready, ready. Right. After the election to whoever the right. new president Trump stayed in or it was Biden that we were able to say, here we are, we're still here. This is, you know, our position, uh, and because right now, um, we're looking at a really bad, uh, possibility of a confluence of disease and, um, and, the uh, situation with immigrants Yeah, because it is, it is in the shelters Yeah, like anywhere else. And so right. just trying to be ready, uh, but for, for COVID, you know, knowing that, that the administration is calling the governors. Yeah. Governor put out, you know, put out a little message tonight that she's already had phone conversations with the Biden administration. He already appointed uh, some co-chairs and some wonderful, eminently qualified doctors on the task force today. Yay. So, yay, yeah, exactly. It's all <laughs> informal because there's no, you know, declaration been made so that the, um, uh, General Services Administration can provide money and government emails and all that stuff for a transition team. We don't have that. Yeah. That does not happen, not happen until December, but that's not stopping them. Yeah. So I really appreciate the fact that early on they're wanting to talk, you know, talk to the states and then talk to the communities to see how, what do we need, how can they help us. And so that that's encouraging. Those are encouraging early signs for me. For sure. I think one of the greatest qualities of a leader is a leader who listens. And if you can listen, you can be informed to make better decisions. And it's you have to take a lot of intentionality. It's not easy. It's much faster just to make your own decision in your own brain. But to right. pe- bring people around you who are knowledgeable in that field, there's no way we would ever expect to elect a president that is highly qualified in all the fields you would have to know we don't expect them to be a doctor and a scientist and an astronaut and a military general and a lawyer and I mean you just can't be all those things um so it takes a really good listener and you know that's one of my hopes and prayers is that we have something like that going forward well the other area um that I know that you're involved in and have also been working with um to help this new administration see things is you know just how it's going to look with immigrants um, because we are hopeful that it will change for them. I know that we, you know, you and I were passing around videos of people who are in these, you know, shelter areas on the other side of the border in Mexico, just asylum seekers waiting and hoping and praying that the election went a particular direction to give them the opportunity to seek asylum. Um, it's been shut down for so long. And so when it comes to asylum seekers, immigrants, you know, children in cages and all those things, what are some of the things that you are seeing that Biden administration put in place for immigrants or at least what are they asking? So if you'll check the website they, where his uh, positions and the things that he wants to do as priority, it does address immigration. So even before the election, this came out. So I'm, I'm very hopeful seeing that this is on their mind. Yeah. Yeah, and word immigration, it's so complex and there's so much stuff in there that, um, and, you know, everybody's going to want their thing first. Of course. (laughs) So uh, um, it's going to take a little while, but I love the fact that when when he's picked out the first three or four things that he wants to do really quickly, that this is something that's going to be addressed and putting in priority, getting those 500 and something children reunited with their parents no please yeah i mean that's a disgrace to this nation it's evil it's horrible yeah it is and and i don't there just isn't an excuse i'm sorry but there just isn't an excuse this is not political Mm -hmm. this is humanitarian issue yeah yeah uh so 
that that becomes a priority. And there are other, you know, there are other organizations, nonprofits and stuff that have been trying to help reunite these kids. This is not going to be easy, but that they put resources to this to try to see if they have to go to these countries and find some family, then go send somebody and go, but let's get these kids back. Yeah. Or whether it's here in the States with a family member or back to their countries. Um, It's just unacceptable to uh, re- to push a child back across the Mexican border that's not Mexican and they're un- unaccompanied, yeah. and a child from another country winds up in a Mexican shelter. Yeah, exactly. And that that has happened as well. So just looking, let's be humans again, people. Let's I just know. please be good people. We are good people. I believe that with all my heart. Mm-hmm. That, um, that we're good, and only will only be as great as we are good. Yeah. And I'm not the first one to say that. That's copying some famous <laughs> former president. I think. <laughs> we're, we're great because we're good. And when yeah. we're not good, we be great. Yeah, certainly not. So, you know, I'm very encouraged that, that that's a priority. Also looking at DACA, uh-huh. looking at the 11 million that are hung, you know, in the balance here. And let's just clean that up. Yes, please. We all know it needs to be done. These are Americans. Yep through no fault of their own and they love this country and they they contribute to this country they believe in it we're the only country they know yeah and let's just make that right can yeah. we right or wrong seriously even if it was wrong for them to be brought in here that what if you believe it was wrong okay right it's not their fault let's don't blame their parents and then punish these children yeah let's give them the chance to become part of the fabric of America because they already are. Yeah. That's the most grateful, productive people in the world will be these young people. Yep. I know several myself and they're incredible and I've learned yep. a lot and it's, yeah, I, they make me want to be more patriotic because <laughs> they love this country. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's encouraging to me that that, and then also addressing, um, Addressing MPP, the Migrant Protection Protocols, addressing those folks who are waiting to plead their case before a judge um, to come into this country um, and plead asylum for asylum. And they're, you know, now pushed back across the. There are people from all over the world in Mexico. Yeah. I know. Yeah, they don't speak Spanish and they're, and they're languishing over there. And it's those, I mean, Mexico's doing the very best they can. And I I really um, admired them for uh, their attitude and caring for for them. For sure. But it's just an overwhelming task. And there's some wonderful churches and the government, you know, government's done a a good job of trying to set up shelters and stuff. And that's that's state governments uh, along the border. But um, it's time these folks got their cases adjudicated and they know what's going to happen with their lives. Yeah. And, um, it's just created a really tragic situation that needs to be dealt with. And so I'm, I'm encouraged to see, um, you know, that that's on his plan to deal with that. Also looking at people in process of trying to be citizens that came in legally, have a green card, need to process and they raise the fee so high that it's really difficult. It is. It's like double. Yes. And so why are we making it harder? Yes. Why that extra 500 or a thousand dollars? Is that really going to make a difference in our economy? No, we don't even need it. No, no, let's, let's, let's get these folks moving towards what they want, what they want to be part of us. They want to be citizens. They've come in, they've come in with things to, to offer for our country. And let's, let's don't make this punitive or hard on them. Yeah. Let's get this done and let them live their lives and be productive and pay taxes and build houses and buy in our economy and become part of us and uh, not be hanging um, hanging in the balance. And the H-1B visas as well that bring in the, the technology and the brains that we need here yeah. to, to be excellent, to excel. We need these folks. We do. We need them here. And let you know, and I'm encouraged to see that 
that hope that he's going to be working on that. It's going to be hard. There's been yeah. a lot of laws passed that's, that's going to make this difficult. And yep. I don't think he's, there, there's going to be an easy time in the Congress either. Yeah, it's um, going to be a tough one. That don't mean you don't tackle it. And that's right. where we, the people, mm -hmm. have a voice. Right. So we need to be letting our representatives know how we feel about this yep. and ask them to work together yep. on a bipartisan uh, level. Yep. Let's aside and let's do the right thing for people so that we can get people back to living their lives. So agree. Whether you're a Republican or Democrat, Independent, or any of the other parties, your senator, I mean, your congressperson represents you. Whether you voted for them or not, they represent you and you're a constituent and you can call them and say, I believe in this and I want to see DACA change. I want to see my friends in tech and H-1B visas retain them or I want children to be reunited with their parents. I think families should be together. Those are things that we can do and they, they and do make a one difference. One thing that I've learned in, in my working with government has been that matters. It they does. really listen to their constituents. They do. You I've, need to do that. You need to call. You need to write a letter. Yeah. Uh, send them a text. Get on their Twitter. Yep. Let them know. And please don't get on and be ugly. Right. Just get on and state your position. Yeah. But I, there are people paid full-time that monitor that. Oh, they do. Yeah. I get responses. So, yeah. It matters. Mm -hmm. Use your voice. Yep. Use your voice. That's right. Yep. It's one small and big thing we can do. Yep. We all have a voice and we all have a vote. That's right. Well, as we're kind of uh, closing up here, I want to have a few other just questions um, related to just what are some of the spiritual practices that have kind of helped you deal with, you know, even a lot of the hatred we talked about earlier between, you know, Christians that have cropped up during this political time. Um, are there any things that you would give to our listeners here as advice on how to, you know, practice certain, I don't know, maybe spiritual disciplines or just other spiritual practices that have kind of helped you walk through that hatred? So when I don't know what to do, I'm going to look for the red letters in the Bible. Yeah. Um, we don't have a better example than how Jesus handled hate mm -hmm. and rejection and violence up to his own death. Yeah. Um, he had all power. It wasn't, he could have done anything he wanted to, but he took time out to stay connected with his father. Mm -hmm. uh, even on those dark, that dark night in Gethsemane, when the weight of all the sin of the world began to weigh really heavy on him and what was coming ahead. So just going back and reading his journey is helpful to me. Um, Reading again, just going back and just reading Matthew and going in so that I'd stay in there a lot. Reading Psalms, you know, the, some of the most beautiful scriptures were written during some really difficult times. Yeah. And so, you know, the Psalms are very comforting to me. Um, and just trying to check myself, um, you know, don't do something, stand there, <laughs> you know, don't, we don't always have to say anything or do anything and not, don't, you know, taking time to respond and not react. Mm. If we turn hate for hate, this is never going to get better. No, nope. it's just never going to get better. And some people aren't going to like me. And, you know, what's important at the end of the day, and when all is said and done, isn't if I out-tweeted them <laughs> right. or, or put a response on my Facebook yeah. or said something snarky, no. it's that when the worst came at me, that I can respond back in love. Yeah. That's disarming. I, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm such a, I hate to even use the word fan because it just doesn't even get it. I'm a follower of Martin Luther King's mm -hmm. ministry and mm -hmm. life. And I find myself more and more reading and thinking of the things he said and what he laid down for us. And, uh, you know, most of the wonderful works we love and celebrate were sermons. Yeah, they were. Yeah. 
And so just um, if he could respond in love, the same Jesus lives in me that lived in him. And I just want to find somebody like him that I can aspire to be more like. So, um, you know, I hate those, what would Jesus do, Brady? (laughs) (laughs) What's the response that, that would, that would be pleasing to God? Yeah. And sometimes people, you know, are attacking. They don't even know why they're attacking me or why, why they're attacking this. It may not be at all anything other than their own uncomfortableness and their own spiritual struggle. Right. So if I respond back in hate, it justifies their hate. Yeah. Right. And so, but it is not easy and I mess up like frequently, frequently. Yeah. But that's when going back and owning your mistakes and apologizing, we've forgotten how to do that too. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Please give me, how can I make this right? Yeah powerful words oh my goodness <laughs> if, if we could figure that one out wouldn't work the world be better right now yeah for sure and you know I think probably even when it comes to what we we're talking about earlier with you know immigrants we I feel like I I should apologize just as a U.S. citizen for what we've done to them you know and sometimes I do that frequently and feel like I'd never do it enough I agree yeah. what is a yeah. small practical step that you would hope people would take to help immigrants in the U.S., wherever they are? Um, Pray for immigrants. Mm. Pray for them. Ask God to speak to to your heart. How does does God see the immigrant? Yeah. How does God see the immigrant? He didn't draw these lines. We did. Yeah. But they're people. But ask God to to speak to your heart if there's hate in your heart for any person that is not of god yeah that's right that is just not and everybody knows that <laughs> right that's not a revelation we all know that mm-hmm. so we really need to just step back and turn off the social media and quit watching the news and get ourselves along with god and and check our hearts mm-hmm. yeah that's good well that's a good and there's place. one I wanted to add here that uh-huh. I think there's something that's being left out of the conversation that I hope that we don't leave out this time mm. how many times have we called upon the African-American community the Native American community the Latin community to step up and vote and help us yeah and there are issues there. Yeah. In those communities, there are tremendous health disparities. There, there is a lot of problems there that we need to address. So let's don't just say, help us out. And then not turn around and say, our priorities now are going to be to try to fix some of these problems that cause uh, black women to die, the maternal mortality to be seven times higher and the one out of every thousand african-americans has died of covid yep yes and so there's so many issues the native americans man they turned out and i live where there's 23 tribes pueblos and nations here i know what it looks like on those reservations and those folks need help yeah they don't have water they don't have an address so they can't register to vote in a lot of places. They live in terrible conditions. And we need to address these issues. So let's don't get all excited about one thing or another and fail to address those people who live in our country. They're U.S. citizens. They belong. They're part of the fabric of this nation. And there's been tremendous historical and systemic wrongs against them for centuries and centuries. Let's fix this. It's yeah. just determined to reach out to each other and, and fix this once and for all. That's part of us being better humans yeah. and calling the better, the better angels, as, as Biden said in his address. Yeah. Let's call out the best in us. For sure. And in each other and not leave anybody behind. Yeah, I agree. Because if what he says about the soul of our nation being sick, you know, if there is such a thing as a collective soul in any sense that 
um, each of our souls put, you know, lined up next to each other, you know, what's going on individually within us, it affects all of us. And that's a systemic, you know, spiritual issue, a stronghold, whatever you might call it, um, that goes back many generations. Um, and when it comes to, uh, you know, when it comes to God's peace, God's shalom, um, I was just in a, you know, a conference earlier where we were talking about how, you know, the kingdom of God, his throne is built on righteousness and justice. And you need both of those Amen. for Shalom to happen. But we haven't ever really done what needs to be done when it comes to African Americans and like making right. that right. And when it comes to Native Americans and making that right, um, Chinese Americans, Japanese Americans, there's just like a dark history. Um, yes. And our collective soul, you know, yeah. has some issues to deal with and we can make a right. change systemically. And we have, I agree. And we have to even be careful about saying that restore the soul of America. I heard a, a, a black commentator make a statement today about it. He's like, there's been a problem with our soul. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to, you know, it, we don't want to make the same mistake of the great, make America great again. And it can't be great again until it's great for everybody. Right. And so to restore the soul, we need to not, if, if we're going to restore the soul, it's not just repl- go back. No. That's not it. Yeah. Re- revive our soul, regenerate our soul. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's make our soul better. Till, so it's, oh, it's better for everybody. Right. Nobody free until everybody is free. There is not justice for anybody until there's justice for everybody. Yeah. I cannot rejoice in my freedom while my brother stands in oppression. I cannot do it. Yeah, right. It's wrong. We must join hands, lock arms with our brothers and sisters that are different from us. Yeah. Let's get to know each other. Yep. Let's respect one another and let's work together. I'm always amazed at how these uh, historically oppressed peoples are so willing after all they've gone through, they're still so willing to reach back if we'll just reach out. I know. I know. So let's reach out to one another. If we could just make a commitment that every day we just do something for someone, just something. If it's a smile or just something kind. Yeah. That's a good place to to end, I think. Everybody can do that. Everybody yeah. can do that. Even when you're isolated, you can do that. Yeah, over Zoom. <laughs> send right. somebody a text message. That's Wave right. at somebody from your car. One of the things <laughs> I, I, teach a class on, I teach a class on Mercy Ministries, and I tell my students, wave at homeless people at the stoplight. You can't, they don't expect everybody to give them money. Wave at them. Look at them. Right. Look them in the face and wave at them. Or give them a thumbs up. Just give them a little encouragement. Yeah, life's hard. And it you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, thank you for that, Mom. It's a good place to end. I know it's not an easy week for a lot of people. Definitely not an easy year for most of us. But I do think that kindness is something we want to bring back. And uh, yeah. hopefully we'll see more of that. And it starts with us. And hopefully we can do that this week. And thanks for the reminder. Well, thanks for You're being welcome. on, Mom. Good to talk to you. <laughs> Bye, Mom. Love you, honey. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye-bye. So, this week, whether you're rejoicing or you're angry or you're just frozen and not sure how to move forward, um, whether you're one of my many friends around the world who have said thank you so much for voting in this new administration, that you've been waiting and longing for that. Um, I know we're all in different places kind of in our minds and in our hearts this week. Um, I'm thrilled that we have a woman vice president. Clearly, that's been super exciting for me. Um, It's, uh, you know, a person that's going to be leading uh, the U.S. That's, it seems like, going to bring back some decency and help uh, us work out some of the situations on the border with immigrants and provide opportunities in health care for women and families to choose life given you know the circumstances of this year it's been very very difficult for a lot of people um, here at the end of four years of a very difficult administration for for a lot of us I know not everybody feels that way but um, yeah I remember what it was like four years ago the sadness the difficulty it was 
um, just to accept that the president we elected was somebody I felt like was going to cause a lot of damage. And so I can remember those feelings. And so if you're feeling that toward this, you know, current choice that was made, um, I at least understand how that felt before. But hopefully some of the things we've talked about today where um, let's just put those differences aside. Let's come together in unity, um, especially for those of us who are worshiping in the same churches, that we could just be united on what it means to be kind to one another, to show kindness to the homeless around us, to show um, kindness to the immigrants among us, as the you know scripture has commanded us to do, and just to love our neighbors well, to love each other well, and to not let politics tear us apart, um, to not let our families and our friends be isolated from us because of what, in this generation, politicians have told us we're supposed to be like, or what our news channels have told us we're supposed to be like. So hopefully you can find a way just to spread some kindness this week. It would be awesome if that happened over social media, but maybe that's too much to ask (laughs) for some of us, and maybe we need to take a break from that, some of us, but at least just personally reach out to call or text or wave out your window to someone Um, We really, we're all going through hard stuff, Um, even those of us who are celebrating this, what we consider to be a victory and a win for those who, um, you know, our particular guy and woman were chosen. Um, But like, I just really hope if there's anything we get out of this particular episode, it's that um, we just can't go forward disunified in the United States like this. It's called the United States, not the divided states, but it feels so, so divided. And we've divided ourselves even from the world in so many ways. So hopefully this is a time to come back to what it means to unify around things. Um, and certainly for those of us who share the same faith, hopefully we can at least agree on those things and, and be more kind to one another. Next week, I'm going to have a friend from Singapore. Uh, who is back in Arizona, and Arizona got really famous this week for the way that that election went a different way than a lot of us expected. So Sandra Bosch is a friend I knew from IBC Church in Singapore, and she's going to talk a little bit about what it was like to work in um, in the campaign areas of Arizona where she was working and uh, trying to see votes happen a certain direction and just what it was like to just see that state turn around and even just what her experience was like living in Singapore and then being back in in the States. Someone who's truly making a world of difference, her and her whole family. She's got a beautiful family. So you'll definitely want to tune in for that. And then after that, we're going to start our faith and work series. We're going to hear from a lot of different people and different careers and how they've chosen those careers, why those careers um, are important to them and how their faith compels them to work in a way that is, um, you know, working for God and not just for the people uh, at their jobs, but how they see it and get their inspiration um, in in their faith journey to to do what they do. So that's going to be an exciting series that will start in two weeks. And in the meantime, if you have other things you'd like us to talk about here, other suggestions for people you'd like to hear on the show, I'd love to hear about that. You can Contact us through Instagram on a world of dot difference, uh, and also on Facebook we have a world of difference on there. And uh, just reach out if you have any ideas of what you'd like to hear on the podcast, um, either this year or next year. We're already starting to line up some of our new guests. So take care, be kind, and take a deep breath. <laughs> it's all gonna be okay. <laughs> Bye. See you guys next week.